Hello, I'm Mark Williams, and earlier in 2021, Gethin Ellis and myself started the Fit Podcast. Here at GethinEllis.com and Wide End Limited, we know that whilst physical fitness is essential, our mental health is vital too. And our Fit Podcast is all about putting the human back into technology, aka Fit. Building on us all coping during unprecedented times in Series 1. Available on our website, www.gethinellis.com, and YouTube, search for Gethin Ellis. We felt in Series 2, it might help us all to hear more thoughts and advice from normal, everyday humans just like you. So we're again speaking with a range of humans in technology, business, consulting, and other areas to hear what they've learned and how they intend to apply that experience in dealing with today's challenges and their futures. So ladies and gentlemen, we are still talking to uh, Matt Sims, the Head of Technology for HTB Church. Uh, this is part two of Matt's, uh, Matt's podcast. Welcome back, Matt. Hello, good to be back. And then I'm going to ask Mark to kick us off. I think it's his turn to go first. Um, so this question's about uh, where organizations are really and whether the, the word transformation is used a, a, an awful lot we, we all see it everywhere that we that, that, that we go but also you know not that many years ago people were talking about continuing improvement as being you know the the the, the way forwards um I, I do have a particular particular um be in my bonnet about about this particular one but um do you do you think that um it's interesting when you mentioned something earlier about you know things were already on your roadmap and they got accelerated um, in in the previous um, part to, to to this. Do you think it's do you think most organisations do genuinely need to transform, i.e., do something completely different or you know in a very different way or whatever, or do you think it's more about um, more about continuing improvement or or somewhere in between? It's I definitely think it's more about continuing improvement. Um, I think digital transformation is a nice marketing phrase that people use to try and sell you a, a change that you don't necessarily need. Um, and I think it's more about evolution. Um, the reason why any business is success, successful is that they're doing really well in their particular field. So rather than completely do like a, a 90 degree chair, or even a 180, I think digital change or digital evolution should be along the lines that make most sense to what you're strong at and what you're, what people come to you for. Um, for us, obviously, as a church, we were never going to go into like online gaming or anything like that, but sure. actually, actually we have, but I'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but it's more about looking for the opportunity and making sure that it aligns with your values and yeah. aligns your what your current users and current um, customers expect. Um, do, do, do you think sometimes, though, Matt, because uh, uh, I'm very much of the continuing improvement thing as well, but do you think sometimes organisations who are good at what they do maybe see something as being completely different to what they do when, in fact, it's not? And the example I'm going to quote here is when Netflix put blockbusters out of business and they approached blockbusters and said look let's do a streaming service let's do this and they went no 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 that's not what we do whereas when you're looking back in hindsight it's easy and go oh it is actually very similar to what you do but you haven't got to worry about taking the thing back and taking the dvd back or taking the video back or whatever it is you've rented from them um so do you think is it like it's, it's i guess it's having the ability to see that that might that might feel alien to, to the guy and they obviously did to the guys at blockbusters for them to say no Mm. Um, and then you look at like Dyson as another example, where he tried to sell his vacuum cleaner to 
all the big vacuum cleaner manufacturers and because it didn't they couldn't sell bags every month you couldn't have to buy a new bag for your vacuum cleaner they all said no and you never make any money and it's just it's not a massive change it's a, it's a subtle change but no one got on board no one saw it and uh, um they, they they lost out as a as a as a result. So I'm not. I, let me say. I think that's more continual change. And I think that is the continual improvement. And I think 90 degree turn sideways. You do have to slow down a little bit to do that safely, or you end up just rolling over. But uh, um, I think sometimes it depends on the gap, isn't it? The size the size of the turn. Perhaps 90 degrees is a bit is a bit too much. Uh, that Dyson thing. Looking back, the uh, Hoover man, Hoover companies probably thought it. Missing out on the opportunity is really sucks. Oh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> how long have you waiting to get that one in somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I think to be honest, I, I don't really know many examples of companies that have failed to do to do it well. I mean, I guess there's some examples like IBM not buying Windows or Atari turning down Nintendo. Well, I guess those are more acquisitions than major major changes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's also important having the right people in your organisation who can who already have plans for the future, because I think yeah we we were just quite fortunate in that people had already planned what the what the next steps could be, and we had leadership in place who were open to the change because I think that's that's quite key. I think mm. quite a lot of leadership especially at the C-suite level, can be quite risk averse. And so they just want to hold on to what they're doing and try not to burn too much money on something that may not may not succeed. Um, but yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting um, observation that, Matt. I mean, I, I um, so I'm just not about blowing one's trumpet here, but a lot of people, I, I, I talk to a lot of C-suite, um, you know, people doing, uh, transformation does pay my bills, even even though I actually think it's much more about, you know, it should be more about uh, continuing improvement. Um, you're right, a lot, a lot of people at that level are very risk averse. Um, and I think they often seek um, certainty about doing something. Well, my own view is what they should be seeking is clarity around uh, around doing something. So, you know, yeah, it is a bit of a risk. Fine, we accept that it's a bit of a risk, and we're gonna um, we're gonna limit it by doing you know by doing the following things. And if it doesn't work, fine, we, we'll have learned something, you know, for whatever the next thing is that we're that we're going to do. But we're you know we're we're, we're um, I've worked with a, with a, you know with a few uh, leaders who are like that, and it's so refreshing because what and I guess that was one thing I was going to say about the word transformation, even though I've I've shared my colours there. The one the one thing I would say is that when people get on board with a with a word like transformation, it often allows people to to believe that they can think differently from their from their day job. So, if you're talking IT for a moment, you know when you go out and you say what your requirements to do something. We all know that most users tell you exactly what they've been doing today rather than what they think, you know, their requirement might might be for the future. So we'll we'll see. Um I don't know whether we've lost Matt or there or not, Keith. He's oh and he's 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 back. He's there, mate. He was uh, he was frozen a little bit on my screen, so I don't know uh, where where that was the case. Yeah, all right. okay now. Cool. Well let's let's Mark we'll move on with the next question. Yes. Um so the, I think that's my turn. 
Most organizations want to drive value from their data and technology, and you've alluded to some of the things that you guys have done over the last couple of years in particular, but the, the plans you had in place anyway. Um, how do you think the sort of technology and people solutions should be weighted or balanced? Explain explain a bit in more detail. I mean, how do you so, mean? So, so, so how would you... Um, how would you look to make use of data in growing your business and and how would you look after your people in that process i guess is i guess i guess the subsidiary questions matt just to help you with this is when is enough data enough data yeah and how do i know i've got enough data and where's the where's the judgment factor in that from the from the people side of things where where are you encourage you know where, are you balancing volumes of data whatever whatever it is or are you saying I think the most interesting question here Matt and, and you've alluded to it is how, do you guys use data to make decisions in what you do I think that's the first question I you know I, I'm interested in anyway and then the, you know the people bit can can follow along after we'll keep it we'll keep it nice and simple is like do you use do you use data driven decision making currently I guess is a question I'd like to know the answer to if you're allowed yes. to answer I mean, it's a good question, and now I understand what you're asking. I think we're quite an interesting organisation in that our HDB is a church full of clergy who are um, appointed to lead people and like deliver spiritual growth, uh, or, you know, spiritual leadership. So there's an element there where their their instincts and their thoughts about things don't necessarily have to follow data, but then equally they are quite open to and you know they want to know so for example when we moved over to online services last year um, we looked at data behind um, like at which point of video did suddenly you know, people drop off wow and um, and at what point what was being said at that time and then we kind of adjusted the message during subsequent um, online services to make it more relevant and something that, uh, yeah I guess they just cut bits out it wasn't going to be successful. Oh, that's massively interesting in its own right because Netflix do that when they're writing stories for their um, they 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 look at when people tune out and that's why people sit and watch Netflix box sets for so long is because the stories are written so you don't turn them off, and uh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. It is. I'm not sure how much is going on now, um, because I think they got to a level where they had a steady steady enough readership or followership. That it didn't really matter anymore because they yeah. were sustaining quite a high level of numbers. But yeah. it was definitely in the early days we talked about. Yeah, well, just as a as an aside, Matt, and, and uh, just say no if you if you're you're not comfortable answering this question, it won't won't be an issue at all. I'm I'm wondering how the the church is structured from a leadership perspective. So I, I do a fair bit of work in the not for profit um, worlds, and broadly you have you have a bunch of executives who are essentially paid executives of of the organisations. You know MD, FD, and so on and so forth. And then you'll have uh, an overriding uh, board which will be representatives of whatever you know the charity or or, or is that you're um, that you're, you're representing. So essentially they are practitioners um, in that discipline as opposed to um, I don't want to I don't want to be unkind when I'm saying this as opposed to leadership um, experts for, for one of a better way of saying it is your organization run along similar lines or, or do you have you know you've talked about the clergy there and that that you know that do you, do you have sort of um, I don't know 
focus groups or user groups out there that are, you've got, you know, I don't know, hundreds of clergy uh, uh, that, that are commenting on, uh, feeding back the data on, on on whether people have, in that example, you know, dropped off at a at a certain time. So I'm trying to, I guess, I'm trying to understand the, the mix of um, people who are are working within the organisation, so seeing this data and and participating in the leadership type, you know, stakeholder type discussions versus people who are associated with the organization but but effectively on you know on the on the outside of that so they're not employees but they may be providing some overall guidance or they may be in, 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 you know informing um a user group of some description yeah so i mean i'm not sure about user group but the church or most most church of england churches have a parochial church council which is kind of like a board yeah. for a more charity yeah and they're, they're the ones who will have people who are i guess it's like non-executive directors, people who've got experience in different areas yep. and comment on things. So yeah, we'll have people from like, tech startups, we'll have people from banking, we'll have people from all kinds of backgrounds like doctors, even cybersecurity companies. Um, and they will they will feed in, they will say, you know, we think this is working. And they'll they'll also be church members, so they'll they'll be part of groups. So yeah. I guess I mean yeah I guess Sounds similar. Okay. The church, the um, the focus group would be the congregation because they already have the existing relationships where they can feedback. We don't think this is working well. We we think we should be doing this. Uh, we don't really like this kind of worship online because it hurts our ears. That kind of thing. Sure. It's not that that happens very often. So that's uh, that that you 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 almost already have that sort of inbuilt check and balance between the data and the more instinctive subjective type of um dialogue that's that, that's going on um because yeah. that's what you've been doing for years you know in, yeah, in, in one way shape or form yeah i think the, it's it's interesting because i don't think it's thought of as data it's just thought of as oh, we've heard this from this group and yeah actually it's, it's it's a feedback mechanism that has been going on for, for decades if not centuries yeah indeed that that's there's got to be a there's got to be a title in there, Gethin, about feedback going on for centuries. I think, but we'll yeah. I'll, I'll have to ponder that one <laughs> offline. Off um, so, last couple of questions, uh, Matt, and then we'll 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 um, try and bring this to a close um, in the not too distant. Is it me now, Geth? Yes, Just, you may. Yeah. Off you go. Um, so, what what advice would you would you give to your younger self, or, or indeed those starting out on their uh, on their careers now could, could be about IT doesn't have to be about IT but what what, what would you what would you want to pass on to uh, to you of a while ago or, or um, uh, you know any any other people coming out of the the uh, school or university system as as we speak start paying into your pension straight away <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's never too late I suppose it's, yeah, it's never yeah. too early <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, Funny enough, that's there's a note to self there on that one. Looking looking at me, <laughs> I think also, I think one one trend I've seen, especially amongst graduates, is that when they have their first job, they're not quite sure whether it's what they want to do, and so you some you can feel it in that they don't hold on to it too tightly enough sometimes, and the ones that succeed seem to be the ones that kind of even if it's not necessarily what they want to do, they go completely one hundred percent into it. And so I think probably the best advice is back to the what I was saying about opportunities. Um, don't reject anything just because it may not feel like what you want to do long term. Um, pick everything up, you know, use everything as a learning opportunity. Um, if you can learn about administration, which is one of the hardest skills to do in an office, I mean, it, it's 
seen as an entry level thing, but actually being a good administrator is, is not easy. Um, and if you can learn that quite early on, it will really set you up later on, later on in your career. Um, and yeah, just give everything your best. Look for opportunities to learn more about business. Um, speak to people. Don't stick to yourself. Um, look, you know, try and keep your circle of friends as wide as possible. So not just the people you normally hang out with, but you know, speak to the person who you see in the finance office. Go and talk to someone in HR. Um, anyone, anyone in the organisation you can potentially learn from. Cool. We've got a few there, I guess, haven't we? Yeah, one or two. Yeah, one or two. Awesome. And then, Matt, we bring we bring this to close. We've got one more question, and it's a bit of a fun one. Um, tell us a fun fact about yourself that perhaps nobody else knows. Oh, I think probably the only person who knows this is my my other half. But yeah, when I was twenty one, I went off to China to um, study Chinese as part of my degree. And while I was there, I got a job. Because I, I thought it'd be a good idea to you know, earn a bit of money while I was out, out there to cover traveling expenses, that kind of thing. And I got a job working for a guy called Stone Clits, and we were basically in an old Chinese abandoned army camp in the middle of winter. It was minus 25 degrees. And they got us to teach. They, they had about a thousand kids in there. They're all paying about 70 pounds a week, which was you know, not inconsiderable for China in 2002. And um, they had a bunch of foreign teachers, including me, go around each class singing Western pop songs. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I now want to know what was what was number one in 2002? What, 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 <laughs> Spice Girls or uh, Venga Boys or what, what, what songs do you sing, Matt? We picked the classics. So there was um, My Heart Will Go On. Uh, Celine Dion. Uh, there was also... Country Roads by um, Mr. Campbell. Is it? Yeah. It was, Glenn, it was Glenn Campbell originally, wasn't it? Country Roads. Could be, yeah. Cool. Uh, and then, yeah, there's a couple of, there's a few other songs that we sang that I can't remember, but every time they come up on the radio. You remember <laughs> <laughs> You know all the words when they went there. <laughs> a very <good> memory. <laughs> I can safely say we've never had anything quite like that before. No. <laughs> Yeah, nothing really to do with IT except made me realise I didn't really want to become a teacher. <laughs> and on that note, pardon the pun, we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll bring that to an end. Matt Sims, thank you very much for joining us. You've been a great guest. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Really enjoyed that.